Miracy. And so having an offboarding process helps. It's one tool that we have for becoming more comfortable with endings, knowing that endings are natural, they're normal. We each have our own relationship with endings, but we don't want to project or impose our stuff onto our clients. Do you feel insecure when a coaching contract ends? As a newer coach, you've probably heard of the importance of the onboarding process, but how do you offboard your client when that contract is over? That's what I'm going to dive into today. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called The Coaches Console, and we're proud to have helped thousands of coaches create profitable and thriving businesses. This is a podcast where we answer burning questions that newer coaches would love to ask a more experienced coach. So what does an offboarding process look like? How do you end a relationship with your client? That's just as important as how you start. Are you and your client, are you going separate ways? Or are you extending the time together? I've invited Miriam Mima to the show today to discuss this topic with me. Miriam is an executive coach and facilitator and has closely studied the overlap between business and psychology. I love that. She's supported leadership development strategies at Slack, Twitter, LinkedIn, and hundreds of startups of all sizes across industries and regions. Welcome, Miriam. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Melinda. I'm very happy to be here. So fun. And you know, a lot of times when we have the topics, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited to talk about this. But offboarding is like, oh, really? Uh. Are we going to talk about offboarding? There's actually so much juiciness to talk about with this topic. But before we do that, would you mind sharing a little bit of your background with our listeners? I knew from a very young age that I was fascinated by both business and psychology. So earlier in my career, I was working as a consultant, a leadership and culture consultant for a number of name brand companies around the world, feeling very fancy, feeling like, oh my gosh, this is like the dream come true. And several things happened. One, all of a sudden my work started to feel more and more empty. I just felt like I was, I don't know, perpetuating more problems and helping people kind of pat themselves on the back for maybe some bad behavior. But also as my work was becoming increasingly a bit empty and feeling not as fulfilling, I was going through a relationship ending and then my mom passed away quite suddenly. Mm. And all of the tools that I had used to navigate difficult situations in my life to that point were not serving me anymore. I was a researcher. I was someone who would dive in and inform myself and get data oriented, very left brain. And I couldn't research my way through grief. I couldn't research my way through how do I find my way in my career again? Or what do I do now that my husband doesn't want to stay married to me? And I hired my first coach and thank goodness for her because she taught me about emotions. And I didn't know about that. I didn't know about sadness and anger and fear. And I didn't trust myself to even start to look in the direction of such things. And she helped me build a sense of trust in myself and navigate not only my own emotions, but be able to drop underneath and then tap into my intuition, my deeper wisdom, a sense of navigation that I could use to move through the world. 
And it was very much a turning point for me in my life. And from that, she really encouraged me to go through a coach training program. And eventually I opened my first practice focusing on female executives and entrepreneurs back in 2010. And I have many clients that have become coaches and some of their clients have become coaches. So one of my favorite things is talking to people who want to explore this as a business. And so thank you, Melinda, for creating this podcast and inviting me to participate in the conversation to pass along some things that I've learned the hard way. Love it. That's exactly what this is for. And that's why we're having these conversations. So let's dive in. So we're talking about client offboarding. Now, everybody always focuses on getting clients, which is not onboarding, right? Onboarding is the gap between when somebody says, yes, I think I'm ready to do this. I want to hire you as my coach or I want to sign up for your program. That moment they say yes and the moment they have that first session or that first module is released in your program, that gap, that's where onboarding, it's like rolling out the red carpet to help them gain momentum, feel confident in their decisions, be set up for success, right? So that's onboarding. But we're going to be talking about offboarding. So what is a client offboarding process? Why do coaches need to have one? Great question. Okay, so I loved what you said in the very beginning here about how, I think you said something like, do you feel insecure when relationships end? And so that is very common. I remember having conversations when a a client would say, well, I feel complete or I'm not gonna be continuing to work with you. And I felt such a sense of loss and I got in my head. I was going through my whole emotional process and that's not uncommon, but it really takes away from my ability to show up for my client in that moment. And so having an offboarding process helps. It's one tool that we have for becoming more comfortable with endings, knowing that endings are natural, they're normal. We each have our own relationship with endings, but we don't want to project or impose our stuff onto our clients. So by having an offboarding process, we can just, whenever that conversation emerges, we can naturally start moving through something that we've become comfortable with through a process of what my tech clients would call getting in the reps, meaning doing it a number of times so that I can build the muscle and feel comfortable moving through the process. I love that. Becoming more confident with endings. I know when I had my coaching business way back when I first started it, I would tell my clients in the very beginning when they would first sign up with me, if I've done my job well, I'm actually coaching myself out of a client. Yes. Because it was always important to me to not have the client become dependent on me, but to empower them to find their way, navigate their way, create a whole new experience for them, that whole give a man a fish, teach a man a fish, right? So as soon as you said, you know, what's going on emotionally with us. I I hadn't really thought about that, but that was me setting up the offboarding process right from day one and creating that container for me and for the client. That's so beautiful. And I completely align with that mindset and that mental model of being able to really work ourselves out of a job. And I think that in our heart of hearts, we all, I hope that we all want that as coaches And then there's the business aspect to it, right? I mean, as a client ends, that's a potential drop in revenue. And so that's another thing that often cycles through the mind of a coach during the offboarding process. But again, we want to sideline that as much as possible and just uh, think about that separate so that we can really fully 
align with the human that's in front of us that has been our client to this point. And so that we can essentially honor the natural cycle of the engagement. If it is coming to a close, trusting that and then moving through our completion process. Yeah. I've not really thought about it in this way until you described and defined it that way. It was very often that somebody would come to work with me for XYZ thing, and we would have that iteration of the coaching agreement. But it didn't mean that we stopped coaching because when they got to the end of that and they accomplished those goals, then they set new goals and had new challenges and new struggles that they continued to want that support and accountability for. And so it was like that upward spiral, another round. So it was common to have multiple extensions of the agreement. Mm -hmm. So it didn't mean an ending. It just meant an ending for this iteration and a new beginning for whatever's what's next. Yes, an evolution. I think that if we're tuning into what is supposed to be happening between us as coach and client and kind of getting out of the way and being willing to facilitate that, then it might be a month, it might be several years, but trusting that process is definitely huge. And I agree with you. Many of my clients do extend. I currently work with my clients on a monthly basis and it's a bit ongoing, but I used to work with people with packages of set number of sessions. Yeah. And so there was more clear touch points of do we want to extend or not and kind of recontract around what our desired outcomes were. And so when we think about the offboarding process, do we have two different processes? One for those clients who say, yes, I want to keep going to the next spiral in the evolution? Or is there a different one for those that say, I feel complete right now and that coaching relationship ends? What is that process? I actually, I have two different processes. One is for when the client is saying that they're complete and the other is what I think that we're complete. So I'm proactively oh. initiating the offboarding process, which has taken me a while to be willing to do that. But those are slightly different for me. To answer your question though, if someone's going to recontract, there is kind of a micro version of an offboarding where it's more what I would call celebrations and completions related to what we set out to accomplish together, making sure that we're pausing, we're looking back, we're honoring the process that we've been in together. And I think in life, we just don't celebrate so much. We haven't gotten very practiced at how to celebrate. So I love celebrating with my clients and I imagine most coaches do. So if we're going to recontract, I want to pause, look back, celebrate, and then look forward. And so that's at a very micro level, that's what offboarding is. Shall I share more about the in-depth process though? Or Yeah, let's go into that. Like, let's get to the nitty gritties. So if a client is initiating the offboarding, essentially we've come to the end of our work together and they're saying, I feel complete. Then I want to ex expand what I just described. And I want to really be able to reflect back to them what I have experienced in my work together, what qualities I've seen in them, what growth I've seen in them. And then I want them to practice that self-reflection for themselves. So I want to give them feedback. I want to have them reflect and what they've noticed and what they've experienced. And then I want to recap what are the tools, frameworks, phrases, what have we covered or experienced together that you want to continue to move forward and help them get really clear on that so they can potentially capture it in writing and reference it moving forward. And then I let them know that I will forever and always be someone on the planet who cares for them and that when or if they need support, they can always reach out. I love that. And then what are the unexpected 
results that you were surprised by in our journey together? I love asking that question because a lot of times it's in those unexpected results where they, in that self-reflection, they see the greatest growth in themselves and they feel the most proud of, of those answers. Yeah. Yeah. The unexpected. Exactly. I love to ask, what did you let go of over the course of our work together? Because sometimes we're so outcome focused, we haven't paid attention to what we let go of Mm. or what we learned about ourselves. A lot of my clients end up telling me they learned to experience a a degree of self-appreciation that facilitated them in achieving their results, but it wasn't something they necessarily set out to do. Now, one of the things that I include in my offboarding process because I'm a process gal. I am an efficiency geek. I love streamlining things and automating things. And I love when I don't have to think about something, but it happens. Like that's my favorite. And early on, I wanted to make sure that I was getting a testimonial from every client every time and a referral from every client every time because they're so enthusiastic. But when I would say the words, hey, can I get a testimonial? They'd be like, oh my gosh, yes. And then crickets and pulling teeth. And you're like, ugh. Talk about negative self-talk and taking it personally. And the same with referrals. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I discovered adding it to my offboarding process a few weeks before the end of the contract and automating this helped me get a testimonial from every client every time and a referral from every client every time. I'll ask them, what are the results and outcomes that you've experienced since we've been working together? And then whatever those answers are begins to formulate their testimonial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so just it's, a natural a natural process, and so that's an automated question that I have that every client would get it. They actually get that thirty days before the end of the contract, and then fifteen days before the end of the contract, after they've celebrated uh, kind of that reflection of looking back at their challenges and looking forward to their results that they've created. I would then send out another automated message that says, "Who do you know? Who else do you know?" that are experiencing these similar challenges that you've described and these results that you've accomplished. I'd love to meet them. Do you have any other tips or things like that to help streamline the offboarding process for you and for the client? Yes, there's so much wisdom in designing the process and automating it. I think that by sending it via a system or email, making it electronic, evaporates the opportunity for me to put my emotions into it. And if I'm awkward about asking for a referral or a testimonial, that isn't felt or experienced on the other side if it's automated. So I think that's very, very smart. It's one of the ways that we could set ourselves up for success as coaches. I don't think there's anything else that I would add in terms of process to what you've already suggested and what you've already outlined. What are some of the mistakes that coaches might make when creating an offboarding process? Beyond getting in their head and making it about them, I'd say the mistakes are rushing through it, not having one, or going too slow. I think that that's also something I've experienced where I'll take someone through what is my traditional offboarding process, and it just doesn't, it's not a good fit for them or the pace that they have in their life, or they don't want to spend that much time reflecting in advance of our session or in our last session. That there's maybe there's other things that they want to use their time with me for. And So I used to kind of get in my head about that, but it's really, it's just about the client, what they need. So I have a version of my offboarding conversation that I can do in three minutes and I have a version of it I can do in 60. 
And I make a commitment to my clients to adapt to what they need for me in any given moment. And so that's the other mistake I think coaches make is making it so structured that we become unadaptable. That's interesting. I love that you can shrink or expand to match the pace of them, to match their, like meet them where they are uh, so that they can have a great experience. You're not trying to put everybody into the same one size fits all approach. Now, your background is in psychology, which I love. And you talked about one of the mistakes is them getting in their head, making it about them. Let's, let's dive into that. I think that's interesting because I think that happens more times than coaches will admit outwardly, even maybe to themselves. But you mentioned at the very beginning, sometimes we'll feel insecure when that client relationship's in. There's this sense of loss. What else does it sound like when coaches get in their heads about this? Fear around revenue or money. I did it wrong. I should have given you more if I had done better or different or fill in the blank word, then you would want to continue to work with me. It can be really quite heavy. And so when a coach goes into that spiral, when that's happening for a coach, how do they stop that? How do they get out of that? How do they reframe that? That's when we can either coach ourselves or coach each other and reach out to our peers because we have our own work to do. I continually am turning inward and just not just coaching myself through it in terms of shifting the self-talk, but I'm actually looking at what is driving this feeling. There's always something underneath those fears or concerns that has nothing to do with my client and it has everything to do with me and my life path. And the more I can turn inward and really dive into even the hard stuff and feel supported in that process the more I'm able to support my clients in doing the same. Now, one of the things when it comes to marketing, let's kind of flip sides here for a second. When we think about marketing, getting clients, attracting clients, inevitably when I work with newer coaches, they often overlook one of the best resources for their next clients, which is their former clients. And so let's talk about right after the offboarding process. So there's this offboarding process of ending that conversation, ending that particular iteration of the coaching agreement. How do we keep nurturing? I just want to mention this briefly. How do we keep nurturing people on our list so that we can go back to them? Because it's the greatest source of our next clients is coaching them again. I personally just trust my intuition to have genuine touch points with folks. Where I am currently with my former clients is I have a list of them and I look at it And so I just hold them in my mind. And then when it feels right, this is very intuitive. I reach out to them with a email or a text message or something. And I'll just create a one-to-one touch point and ask them how they're doing. And those are almost always the moments where they are most prone to bring me up in a conversation with someone else. And I knock on wood, have never need, honestly needed to do proactive business development I've, because my word of mouth inbound leads is so strong. And it's, I think, nice. because of relationship development, to your point around needing to nurture those over time. Our past clients are the best marketing that we have on the planet. Yeah. And you know, when you were talking about it being intuitive, I think a lot of times coaches That's one of our greatest superpowers in our business is our intuition. I read this book, Promptings, years ago. And ever since I read that book, whenever somebody pops into my mind, I immediately send them a message. I've just built that habit within myself. I just grab my phone wherever I'm at and I just send them a message. Hey, you just popped up in my mind. I'm thinking about you. Uh, Hope you're doing okay. Would love to connect. Mm -hmm. So simple. 
And most of the time, people are like, oh my gosh, your timing couldn't have been better. I was just, and then there's some kind of situation. And so our intuition, those hits are so powerful to really follow through on that. Yeah. I'll share a quick, this is a very weird story, but I'll share it anyway. Because what drove me to make this decision, my dad's a a minister. One of the things he would do as a minister, kind of the less fun parts of the job was facilitate funerals. And he would go be with the family members and whatnot. And one of the practices that he did is he would take a rose from one of the flower arrangements, just quietly take it, and he would put it on his desk in his office at the church. But he wouldn't put water in the vase. It would just be there. And after about a week and a half, maybe two weeks later, that rose would start getting really dried out. And it was a visual reminder to him that said, you know what? All the other family members have now gone back to their regular lives. It's time to check in with the immediate family. Mm, And it was just that visual indicator to know when the timing was always perfect. And so I'm like, okay, when I saw that pattern happening combined with that story and knowing that that's how my dad did that, I was like 30 days out. I'm just going to put a little email. It's an automated email. So when I wrap up with a client, it's a simple email. It's the same message that goes to everybody that said exactly what I just said. Hey, and I personalize it. Susie, you just popped in my mind. I was just thinking about you and I'm wondering how you're doing. I would love to hear about some of the celebrations you're experiencing, some of the challenges you might be facing. I wonder if we could catch up for a quick coffee chat and just include my calendar link for them to book a coffee chat with me. Sometimes it led to a client, sometimes it didn't, but it was just a nice way to keep the door open and nurture that relationship. And sometimes it led to referrals. Maybe they didn't say, yeah, let's keep working together or I've got something else I could use your help with, but it opened the door for possibilities. And that's been a process and a prompting that I've loved to have post-offboarding as kind of an extension of my offboarding. Absolutely best practice for any coach building their business, for sure. Do you have any stories that you can share of a good client offboarding or maybe a bad client offboarding experience just to kind of share those if you're willing? Yeah. I wonder about circling back to when I proactively have offboarded, which was one of the hardest things that I have learned to do as a coach. And what happens for me periodically is I realize that if I look at the whole of my clients, some of them, I, I'm so looking forward to seeing them and I just get so excited and I leave our sessions energized. And then there's other clients where over time, it just starts to fall off. It just feels like when I'm sitting down to have a session with them, my energy, I can't generate the same level of energy and enthusiasm and presence that I can with other clients. So I started to pay attention to that and trust that there was something there. And I assumed that it was just for me. And then I needed to get better at having more energy, being more engaged. And eventually, after doing several rounds of my own work on that, I realized that there was also wisdom in it for my client. And so I started looking at the patterns between the people that I was really engaged with and the people that I just couldn't get there. And I noticed that the people who I just couldn't get there, they were focused on incremental growth and the goals that they had for themselves were what I judged in that moment or what I labeled as incremental versus transformational. And the people that I was really excited to work with, they were willing to like really kind of sky's the limit in terms of what they were interested in or what they were orienting towards. And I realized that I was just better at working with people who are oriented towards transformation. And I was just not as effective at working with people who are interested in more incremental growth. So I created a short list of coaches that 
I felt were really strong people that I could refer to that were extremely skilled at supporting people through incremental growth. Because it's not judgment, it's not like better or worse. It was just different than what I was interested in doing. So I went to all my clients and I said, oh, I've gotten more clear. I set a date in the future that was two to three months away. I said, I'm going to create a shift in my practice. And I've realized that what I'm going to start focusing on is transformational coaching. So I want to check in with you because it doesn't seem like that's what we've been doing together. Are you interested in that? In which case we should redefine what our goals are. Or do you want a referral to someone that I really trust? And I basically initiated that conversation. I would say eight out of 10 would say, yes, that's exactly what I want. Thank you for calling it out. I didn't know how to even verbalize it, but this is what I've been waiting for. And then two out of 10 on average said, no, I feel good. (laughs) You know, now that Mm -hmm. you say it, I've been continuing to work with you because I really like having time with you, but I feel complete. And so we moved through the offboarding process with those two to eight. I love the clarity that you have and that you found a way to still be of service, still support them and found a way to do that uh, so that you could be even clearer with the people that you do help. I love that added clarity. So let's summarize a few things that we've talked about today. We started off with an incredible way to think about the offboarding process. And Miriam, I love when you talked about becoming more confident with endings. It's about having a natural conversation. If I do my job, I'm working myself out of a client and just that upward spiral of evolution rather than linear. And we got into the psychology of it, feeling insecure when the client relationship ends, having that sense of loss. When we get in our heads, we got into the fear around the revenue or the money and I love how you began to turn it around for us and, you know, what's underneath that, what's driving that and doing our own work so we can better be present for our clients. You talked about the different offboarding processes that you have when a client is complete. And I love this. When you feel complete, it's like, okay, I'm sensing this is over. So let's offboard this client. And then the micro offboarding uh, for those that are continuing. We went through some of the questions for prompting in self-reflection during that offboarding process. We talked about how to automate and streamline the testimonial asking process, the referral asking process, and went through some of the benefits of having an offboarding process and being intentional about it. And like you said a few times, this is some of the hardest work we can do because offboarding our clients is often the last thing that we want to do. We even got into how do we nurture those former clients? How do we have those promptings to think about them, to prompt them either to come back or keep that relationship open, keep that door open? We got into so many incredible things about this topic. Miriam, do you have any other parting words for our listeners? Just to celebrate the fact that they've invested in themselves. So speaking to you listeners, you invested in yourselves today. And let's just do a mini offboarding right now and practice it. And so I want to celebrate everyone for taking the moment out and hope that they will identify the thing that is most helpful to them to put into action or maybe to store away for later. And I want to honor and celebrate you, Melinda, for creating a podcast and putting it out in the world. So thanks for being someone who does that for all of us. My absolute pleasure. And thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a huge thank you to Miriam for this incredible conversation. You can find out more about her at leaderswhosmile.com. That's leaders, plural, who smile.com. 
Miriam, thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Mayor CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as To Lead as Human and Self-Awakened Lifestyle. Cynthia Lamb produced this episode. I wrote this episode with Mishi Lance. She assembled the episode. Danny Eney is our executive producer, and post-production was by Post Office Sound. If you want to listen to upcoming great episodes on Just Between Coaches, please follow us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed and he sewed and he stitched. And by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now, when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it? In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy folk or traditional tale and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators. Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey. Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know that creating something out of nothing is always possible. And it's often the way forward because it's out of the scraps of what's been done before. It's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful, really brand new and really beautiful. And then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud. We can step out and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite. To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.